Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to be in the book of Acts this morning, chapter 20. I do appreciate uh, uh, being asked here. Uh, this church very special to me. Uh, this, I don't know. I have no idea how many times I've been here before. There's been at least half a dozen. Um, somebody, somebody's probably keeping count of how many, oh, him again. <laughs> but I, I do want to thank, I know when uh, Shelly passed, um, Jake was uh, gracious, invited me to preach. He knew I needed something and you guys had a potluck that day or something, and uh, I got to play around with the kids, and I still got pictures on my phone of uh, some kind of little necklace that Molly had gotten uh, for something that was going on. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I got a picture of her making me put that dumb thing, it wouldn't go over my head. <laughs> well, I got a big medallion right here. And her right here on my shoulder, just grinning ear to ear. And uh, this church and Jake and his family uh, are just uh, uh, very special to me. And I, I, I so appreciate um, everything about liberty. Uh, like I said, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 20. And despite the title of this message, I, this message is, is to be an encouragement to you. I titled this message, Bonds and Affliction Await. It doesn't sound like a very encouraging sermon. <laughs> Guess we got some events planned right after this message. <laughs> Bonds and Affliction Await. Uh, not going to do that. But we're, we're going to start about the middle of chapter 20 in the book of Acts. A uh, lot of restoration preachers. We, we like the book of Acts. And we particularly like Acts 20 because this is where Paul calls to him the elders of Miletus. And uh, the nice thing about this is you have all three terms used as an elder used in this passage. They are the, el the elders are the shepherds or pastors of the flock. They are the overseers of the church. They are also the elder. One is age, one is uh, position, one is uh, kind of what they do uh, as the elders. And, and so we, we like to use this because uh, the term pastor is so misused uh, by so many churches. This is a nice place we can go to. And, and you got place in 1 Peter 2 where all three uh, verses are used. But I'm not here to talk about that. Uh, in verse 17, you're freed with me. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. From Elias, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink away from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now... Behold, bound by the Spirit, 
I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Jews have been chasing him. They've been trying to kill him. And then he says this. And now, behold, God of the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that <clears throat> bonds and affliction await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. That's what his ministry was. And now behold, I, I know that all of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, these elders that he's been spending time with, that he's called them, these are the elders from Ephesus, and he sent Timothy over to Ephesus. Matter of fact, in, in 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, he says, uh, I, I think it, it gets translated differently, but it's actually, he says, command certain men not to teach strange doctrines. I think these elders are, are who Paul is talking about, about teaching strange doctrines, because he, he says some not so nice things about these elders here. He says, and now behold, I know that all of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, these elders, will no longer see my face. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. From among yourselves. You see, I mentioned in a joking way this morning about things that have creeped into the church and things like It's nothing new. Nothing new. It's happening even at the time of Paul. From the moment Paul arrived in Ephesus, he was kept busy, not just with busy work. He was involved with things, as he says, with tears and with trials. Like I said before, the Jews were chasing him down, trying to kill him. This wasn't a, they weren't chasing him down to say, we don't like you. He, he already figured that out. They were trying to kill him. They thought they were going to catch him in Thessalonica, over at Jason's house. But Paul had already left by the time they got there. When they found out he was gone, Poor old Jason. They, they pulled him out and some others. And they took him to court. That's over in Acts 17. In chapter 19 of the book of Acts, in Ephesus, some accusations were made about Paul from the Jews. This is where these elders are from. The, the incident with the seven sons of Sceva took place. You remember that? The demons, they were trying to... Uh, oh, in the name of... 
you know, they're trying to cast out these demons and they said, we, we know Jesus, we know Paul, but we don't have clues of who you are. Come here, we're going to rip you up one side and down the other. What they did. These seven sons of Sceva, uh, that, that took place in Acts chapter 20. We just passed it. I mean, we're, and it was in chapter 20, verse 13. He was so successful in his preaching that the idol-making industry suffered so bad that a riot started, where the crowd shouted for two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! That was their God. <laughs> Amen. I, no, don't, I think she just repeated what I said. I don't want Jake to come back. What'd you learn? Great is Artemis of the... I don't want, I don't want her to know that. But... <laughs> Now eventually, Paul left from Macedonia and then to Greece, and eventually where we began reading, he's in Miletus. Now he worked with him, as he said, through, through tears and through trials. Ministries like that. Struggle with people in their lives and have to work out problems. This may surprise you. I mean, you're from Liberty, so you're special, but, you know, not everybody gets along. And for preacher, that's a real trial. Sometimes. Even so, he never stopped. He did his work. He did what he had to do. He wasn't just working, you know, filing papers in the filing cabinet. He was doing his job. And he was evangelizing. That's the job God put before him, was to evangelize. And he knew he had work to do. Yet he also knew, he knew his responsibility to evangelize. He did both. It, it wasn't an either-or situation where I'm going to sit, I'm going to sit in the preacher's office. I'm going to do all my work here, uh, or, or I'm not going to do anything here. Nothing's ever going to get done at the church building and with the church group. So, so I'll just spend my time out evangelizing. Uh, he did both. He didn't just he didn't just pick one or the other. He did both, and, and he did it publicly from house to house. He, he didn't. He, he, when he evangelized and, and when he preached and when he, when he was with other people and when he was teaching them, he did not bring the gospel down to the least controversial elements of it like we have going on so much in today's world with churches. We don't want to offend anybody. We just want people to... Now listen. I want you to know Jesus loves you. But that's the extent it goes in a lot of churches in our modern world. <clears throat> Jesus loves you. Well, isn't that great? And he's going to love you even when you're in hell. He'll still love you. He will regret your decisions. He gave us his word. He expects it to be followed. Now, I could preach just on that, but I won't. Paul taught it straight. He didn't water things down. He taught them about repentance and the judgment to come, as well as the fact Jesus loves you. Verses 20 and 21 of, of Acts 20 says this. He says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. If it was good for you, I taught it to you. And teaching you publicly, but not just publicly, from house to house. I was in your homes. 
teaching you what you needed to know. He says, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks. Didn't matter who you were. What was he teaching you? Of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here is, is not talking about only evangelism. He was training the elders, but at the same time, he was evangelizing. He was doing both. And pay attention to what he says next in verse 22. He says, And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except, he knew this. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies, to, solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Guys, i got to go back to Jerusalem. Boy, but I'm planning the biggest parties. I'm going to get such a reception by the church that's there. They're going to greet me. Everybody's going to be so happy. I, I get to go visit with Aunt Bertha. Aunt Myrtle's going to... I'm going to have some of her apple pie. It's going to be such a great... That's not what he said. Bonds. You know what bonds are? Things that lock you up. Bonds and afflictions. Afflictions. Things are going to hurt. Things aren't going to go so well for me. Bonds and affliction await me. Paul knew what awaited him. Now here's the thing. The modern church, we think, oh, i got to hang in. Why would God allow that to happen? Um, and I'm going through some things right now in my own life. I'm asking God, God, why is this happening? Now, that doesn't shake my faith in God. I'm just wanting to know. But we got so many people thinking that, that, that oh, nothing bad can ever happen. There's guys on TV, they preach what we call the health and wealth gospel. God wants you healthy, wealthy, and... <clears throat> Why? I guess I don't know. Healthy and wealthy anyway. <coughs> if you're sick, why? Oh, it's because some demon's out here. Well, I got a headache. Let's cast that headache demon or the demon of the headache out. Or boy. I don't have any money. I, I've actually had had this in an email. From a lady that I, I had not been to Kenya yet, but she was from Kenya. And she asked me, she says, in Kenya we are very poor. Yet preachers tell me that if I'm poor, I must be displeasing to God. Or else God would bless me with wealth. I'm sorry. Paul was very pleasing to God. What did the Holy Spirit tell him? Bonds and affliction await. You ever heard of Job? God was very pleased with Job. And yet look what he went through. Bonds and affliction await. And here's the thing. Holy Spirit warned Paul. Bonds and affliction await. 
And yet, God sent him anyway. I'll save him. Try it. God sent him anyway to a place that was going to be uncomfortable, to a circumstance that's going to be uncomfortable, that he wasn't going to get what was Aunt Myrtle's uh, apple pie. I don't remember who made the apple pie. No? <laughs> he's not going to get any of that. What he's going to get is bonds and affliction with a candle on top. So they can burn him with it. You know, we, we like to hear verses like Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is sown probably on more pillowcases than any other phrase in the world. Well, I can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Why? The Lord strengthened. That's not what he's talking about. Right before that passage, he said, I've been hungry and I've been full. I've been warm. I've been cold. I've been in all kinds of situations. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I can survive. I can make do regardless of what situation I find myself in life. I can do whatever the Lord wants me to do. We, we like to read verses like uh, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 31. He says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? Well, that, 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 that just, I, I, I could see Braveheart. Uh, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? Holding that big sword up. And that's not really what the problem at Rome. You had Jewish Christians not liking Gentile Christians and Gentile Christians not liking Jewish Christians. And they were fussing and fighting. And if you put this in context, if God is for us, who can be against us? They were against each other. That's not some rallying cry that we can <coughs> overcome everything. <coughs> but I can do all things. I can survive. I can make do with all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what? Even if I told I told Dennis not to be spitting, you know, throwing spit wads or anything like that while I was preaching. He said he would. He hasn't yet. Let's say he got mad at something I said and just decided to come up here and I don't know. He he took he he punched me so hard it just killed me right then and there because he didn't like what I was preaching. You know what I'm going to do if I'm dead? Woo! I'm here with the Lord. You see, I can do, you can kill me. Uh, Jana may not like that. I don't know, it depends on her mood. <laughs> but, I heard Dickie Chambers say one time, somebody held up a gun to him. He said, don't you threaten me with heaven. 
Folks, that needs to be our attitude. Not that we're never going to have trials and tribulations or bonds and affliction. But that we can literally do all things. We can endure all things. Because even death through Christ who strengthens us. Now, the ministry to which Jesus has called all of us is a ministry of service to him. It's the same ministry Paul had. Well, Paul had, he was an apostle, so he had a little extra ministry. But we are all called to service to Jesus. You know, in Luke chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me is probably not my best disciple. Now, I didn't say that right. Who can correct me on that? What did Jesus say? That you cannot be my disciple. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Let me read that to you again. Whoever does not carry his own cross, cross is a means of execution, putting your old self to death. He who does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Folks, we've got to put our will aside so that we can carry the cross. We need to get rid of ourself So that we can live Christ. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus, uh, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I want to tell you, and this is something I was talking to Jan about this just last night. We've, we've kind of had this discussion before about Romans 12. This is a part of my sermon. Turn, go ahead and turn here. I'll, let's, let's do this. Jake just told me to keep it under four hours. <laughs> I think I just barely got time to squeeze this in. Why are you laughing? Uh, <laughs> now, in, in Romans chapter... Uh, I told you Romans chapter 12, and then I turned to chapter 2. In Romans chapter 12, it says, Therefore, now remember what I just told you about the Romans, uh, the, the letter to the Romans, the church at Rome. Jewish Gentiles didn't like the Gentile... Uh, Jewish Gentiles. Jewish Christians didn't like the Gentile Christians. Gentile Christians, they, they each thought they were better than the other. And, and it, I could go into a long, long explanation of that. When I go back in December, Romans is what I'm going to be teaching. And I plan on spending a good bit of time on, on this area. But, but look at what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, accepting to God, which is your... Now, here, this is an interesting word. Uh, New American Standard says spiritual, and that's correct. Anybody here have King, uh, King James? No? It's okay. King James says rational instead of spiritual. Now, the reason for that, and I'm a Greek geek, so, okay, so... Uh, uh, this word spiritual, it's the word, it, the Greek word is logikos. And we get our word logic, at least from a form of this word, logikos. Uh, it comes from the word logos. 
In the beginning was the word, the, the logos. That doesn't mean word as in, but it, it means the idea, what, whatever that word means. If that makes sense to you. Uh, in Greek, there was a word, rema, which that's the sound that comes out of your mouth. It gets translated as word. It's just the sound. But what's that sound mean? <coughs> Excuse me. That's the logos. Understand? It's the logos. It's the concept behind the word. Well, this logikos, it's accurately translated as rational because it has to do with the mind. Uh, but it's also uh, accurate to say spiritual because it's non-physical. It's something that's just out there. It's abstract. It's, it's uh, spiritual. Okay? So, he says, which is your spiritual, rational? The word here, what I, I think the proper translation of this should be appropriate. Which is your appropriate service to God? What is? Being a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means we're to have fellowship so much that we're able to sacrifice ourselves. And put others ahead of us. Okay? That's what he's talking about here. So do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is. Uh, uh, that which is good and acceptable. And, and complete. For through the grace given to me. I say to everyone among you. Listen to this. I'm not making this up. Everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. See, sacrifice yourself. Now, that's all I'm going to spend on Romans 12. I didn't even put that in my sermon. Jan and I, I told a couple of you that we were, Jan and I sat up way too late last night. That's part of the reason uh, uh, her son was late coming home from work and everything, and a little concerned. And, just, uh, but we sat and talked. That's what Jan and I did. We sit and talked about the Bible. And, wow. See, Paul, I spent all that time going over Romans 12 so I could reiterate what Jesus said. We've got to take up our cross. We've got to deny ourselves. Instead of thinking, look at me. Right, good. If I were to tell you, look at me, <clears throat> you guys are, oh. The first time I ever spoke to Jana on the phone, we spoke four hours. This was five and a half years ago. And I called, I don't know if you guys know Kevin Ziegler or not. Uh, he's been here. I know he preached one time, uh, at least once here. Uh, but uh, Kevin's one of my best buddies. <clears throat> And Kevin knew what a hard time I was going through uh, after Sheldon died. And Jan and I spent four hours on the phone. It was one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I texted. Kevin was in Illinois. Samaria, you know. Um, I texted him. I said, you up? He goes, yes. So I called him. I said, Kevin, I just met the most amazing woman. And Kevin said, oh, Scott, good. I'm glad. So I spent four hours talking to her on the phone. Never even met her yet. That wasn't to come until the next day. I said, Kevin, 
said, Kevin, I found the female version of me. <laughs> and Kevin laughed like that. Only Kevin said something not so nice. Kevin said, she must look hideous. <laughs> if I tell people, look at me, I know what you're seeing. I, I don't want you to look at me. I want you to see Jesus. That's what I want you to see. Not me. And, and she married me even though I look hideous. See, Paul denied himself. Look, look, it, 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 you should take some time, maybe this afternoon, read 2 Corinthians 11 sometime. Uh, this is what he said, beginning in verse 24. He says, Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen. Dangers from the Gentiles, dangers from the dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. But I did in my way. That's not what he's saying. He didn't do it my way. He did it because he denied himself and took up the cross that Jesus wanted him to bear. Wow. Paul knew there were hardships ahead, but Jesus sent him anyway. And Paul went willingly. Anyway. Look at Acts, look at, uh, beginning back in Acts 20, look at verse 25 through 30. He says, Now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on, your, be on guard for both yourselves and for the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, a savage wolves." will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, men will arrive, speaking perverse things, to draw the disciples after them. What did Paul mean when he says he's innocent of the blood of all men? Well, and I've heard people say, uh, well, you know, he held a rope while Stephen was stoned and killed. And uh, we know he was out trying to persecute, put Christians to death. Uh, that, that's, that's when Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus and said, hey, I got plans for you. I want you to go, go see a guy. He's going to tell you everything you need to do. And, and, and so, uh, is that what he's talking about? And that's what I heard this preacher say one time. He was innocent of all that he had done. That may be so. Uh, he was as a Christian, but uh, uh, if you look back in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16, excuse me, 17 and 18, listen to what God says to the prophet. Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die. 
and you do not warn him? Or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked ways that he may live? That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, in his sin. But his blood I will require at your hand. Paul isn't saying, glory, hallelujah, I'm forgiven. When he says I'm innocent of the blood of all men. That's not what he's, he's not saying, Ooh, I'm, I'm forgiven of all that I did. Well, yes, he was. The, the moment he became a Christian, that, his past life was gone. What he's talking about here, when he talks about being innocent of the blood of all men, is he's been telling people, he's been teaching it straight. He has been God's watchman. He is telling the world, those that need Jesus Christ, he's telling them about him. I, I think back in Philippians, excuse me, in Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer. He, he, the Philippian jailer, after the earthquake and everything, and they had been freed from their bonds. Bob, put that Ethiopian eunuch in there somewhere. Uh, the Philippian jailer, he comes running in. He's, he's ready to kill himself because, listen, if, if prisoners escape under Romans' law, if a prisoner escapes under your watch, they're going to kill you. So he, he's, he's getting ready to take his own life. And Paul's, whoa, 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 don't do that, don't do that. What did that, what did that jailer say? Remember? What, what was the question? What shall I do to be saved? That's a Philippian. He's a Gentile. He's a Roman soldier. Not, not a prominent Roman soldier. He's a, he's a security guard at a prison. At a prison. He said, Brother, what shall I do to be saved? And this is where so many denominations there that Paul gave them the, the kind of overall encompassing answer. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Now can you imagine that Philippian jailer? I don't know who this Jesus guy is, but I believe. What do you believe about? I don't know, but hey, he said I need to believe. So I believe. That's kind of a lot of people in our world do today. They... They had, matter of fact, there was one pre I used to work at a Christian bookstore. <laughs> they actually had a track that would uh, believe in your belief. I was like, no, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what happened? See, that's not where it stayed. It did not stay in that situation. Was, did Paul lie? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? No. But now... The Philippian jailer took Paul and Silas into his house and he spent some time teaching him what it means to believe and who to believe in. He told them about this guy named Jesus. What happened that very hour? He was baptized as he and his household. There's more to believing in Jesus than just I believe in Jesus. I don't know who Jesus is. Some people treat Jesus like he's Elvis Presley or something. Ooh, big celebrity. And that's all they believe about. They don't know much about him. They believe. Folks, we've got to deny ourselves. We need to, if we're not going to be guilty of the blood of men that we could tell about Jesus, and then we don't tell them either, we don't tell them about Jesus or we don't tell them about the correct Jesus, the biblical Jesus. We're going to have blood on our hands.
If we were to read the rest of this chapter, uh, we would see that Paul never shrank from declaring the whole purpose of God. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> he constantly admonished them with tears. He didn't do it for the money or to be popular. He did it to fulfill Jesus' commandment to him. And he was working hard at it. As we look around today, we see a messed up world. Boy, is it messed up. Many trials. There's many afflictions out there in the world. We saw, it's, on, it's all you hear on the news right now, the attacks on Israel and stuff. Just, they're just minding their own business and rockets and missiles came over. And people kidnapped, broke into their homes, kidnapped them, took them over across the border and beheaded, what it, 44 beheaded babies? I believe that's what, what they reported. What, what do those babies do? I just... There's all kinds of afflictions in our world. There's many things that can scare us. Modern church has failed in so many ways. We've allowed things to be watered down. We've allowed false Jesuses to be proclaimed. We've ignored what God has taught us clearly in His Word. We have spiritual diabetics craving the very sugary preaching that's going to kill them. But that's all they want to hear. If our world will be saved, we need people like me, people like you, to be bold. Those who know that there may be hardships but will carry out the will of God anyway. Those who will answer God's call to deny themselves and to serve Him no matter what. Why? Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're not going to be faster than a speeding bullet. But we can knock the devil down a notch or two. At least go down trying. There's a song, I'm going to close with this. And some of you have been waiting for me to close. And I'm not going to sing it, so relax. I just want to read the lyrics to you. It's an old song written back in the 80s. Um, a fellow by the name of Steve Camp, he, he's a Baptist preacher now, down in, down in the Holy Land, Florida. And... Uh, but these words are true. I want to read them to you. Oh, we learn of Abraham, who was ready to give his son. And Noah, who kept on till his job was done. Moses led his children safely through the wilderness. These men are gone. We're here to carry on. But tell me, why are we in such a mess? Where are the heroes now when we need them so desperately? Who will step out from the crowd and be strong enough to lead? Who will teach the children? Who will show them how? Oh, I'm asking you, where are the heroes now? There are those, we don't know their names, who were faithful for their Lord, 
They were beaten, they were chained, and put to death by the sword. The world was not worthy of them. Is it worthy of me and you? Oh, we say we'll endure until the end. I pray to God that it's true. So where are the heroes now when we need them so desperately? Who will step out from the crowd and be strong enough to lead? Who will teach the children? Who will show them how? Oh, I'm asking you. Where are the heroes now? We're surrounded by witnesses as they watch us run our race with our eyes on the author of our faith. God is not ignorant of the affairs of men and his ways. Always oh, put us here to make a stand. He's calling on us today. He's calling us to be heroes now when we need them so desperately. Will you step out from the crowd and be strong enough to leave? Will you teach the children? Will you show them how? Because they're asking you. Where are the heroes now? <clears throat> Folks, we need people who are going to stand up, follow after Christ. Lots of afflictions await. So what? Jesus said, if you cannot take up your own cross and deny yourselves, we cannot be his disciple. No one comes to the Father but through him. Are we truly being disciples? Now, I don't mean disciples in our own minds. Are we being God's disciples? So that when Jesus, when we meet Jesus face to face, he's going to introduce us to the Father. This is one of my disciples. Are we in this room being the watchman that Ezekiel was told to be, warning the lost about the declarations of God. Where are the heroes now? Now, I can't answer for you. But my prayer is this. Lord, find us faithful. Even if bonds and afflictions await. I encourage you, take up your cross. Follow after the one who took up his for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word. I pray, Father, you would find us faithful. Faithful in all things. Not only in the words we use, but in the actions that we take and the message that we teach and preach. And Father, may we always be about taking your word to those who need to hear. <laughs> Father, you know and I know that's everywhere we go. I pray, my God, that you would find us faithful. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A person becomes a Christian by not only hearing the word, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17 says. You've got to hear that word, but you've got to believe it. Now, believing, believing that word, I mean, it's not, it's, there's more to it than just believing, but it starts there at belief, because that belief is going to control everything you do. If you believe Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, <coughs> that's 
going to have an impact on your life. It's going to demonstrate to you that death does not, does not have mastery over you. Does not have control over you. But you also must repent. Now, repent, the Greek word is metanoia. I told you I'm a Greek. Metanoia means to have a new mind. That's literally what the word means. It's the word repent. It means to have a new mind. Some people say that means a U-turn. Well, it means a little more than that. I'm no longer going to be who I am. I need to be who Jesus wants me to be. I think I'm going to have a new mind. I take mine out. Put it over here. Take the mind of Christ. Do what I can. I want to be His. I'm going to put myself aside to follow after the Lord. Let's confess Jesus before man be baptized. That means be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Now here's something very profound. I, I, I thought of it years and years and years ago. You might want to write this down. What you're baptized for is what you're baptized for. Sounds simple, but it's very profound if you think about it. The reason you're baptized is why you're baptized. A lot of denominational churches, if you're baptized to Join that particular congregation. Hey, that's what you were baptized for. Had nothing to do with forgiveness of your sins. The Bible tells us clearly we are to repent and be baptized, each and every one of you. Why? For the forgiveness or remission, some translations say remission, of your sins. If that's what you're baptized for, your sins are gone. And so all the devil has to threaten you with, uh, against you is uh, your life. This life. The one where you have people shooting rockets over borders. Murders going on left and right, seems like. Diseases. Long-winded preachers. Give your life to Christ.